Hi, it's Heather McGlasson with the Shadow Dance Edge, and we are here today with Kelly Varner, and she is a writer. She's written sci-fi fantasy, which is like my number one absolute favorite reading material ever. Ever, In fact, both of my children were named after characters in sci-fi fantasy novels. And she also does personal essays and some other fun, spicy stuff. Uh, welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Hi. Hey, I gotta know. So, um, what do you choose? I know you're a writer, but what do you choose to like create in your world? What's alive for you right now? For me, it's all about expressing myself fully. And that vehicle has been for me writing. Um, the written word is absolutely fascinating and brings me intense joy. And I just want to share that with everybody else. That's awesome. Well, I'm always experiencing intense joy when I'm reading um, novels and especially sci-fi fantasy. Boy, can't say that enough. You know, I need to go read some of that. Um, but so have you done that most of your life? I know my daughters in high school used to write novels all the time and stuff like that. I, I just sort of imagine Kelly as a, as a little human being riding on the bus on the way home from school. Is that you? Am I getting this right? Um, some of it, yes. Uh, I first started writing in the fourth grade. Wow. And it was, I actually remember it. It was, uh, it was a haiku and it was just an assignment in the fourth grade and it was a haiku. I wrote it. And then the teacher had us make these beautiful Japanese paper hang hangings and we made a um, beautiful painting on the hangings using a straw, like blowing ink through the straw to make these beautiful branches. And I almost passed out because you blow too hard, <laughs> um, you kind of get out of breath and your brain starts to get a little fuzzy and you need to sit down because you're lazy. So that was mine and it hung in my mom's house for, oh gosh, I was probably in my late 30s before that went missing somewhere. <laughs> and I mean, she kept that up in the house. But after that, I mean, that was a really easy assignment. That was three lines writing my own stories i was always writing something there's always you know a, a bit i found funny or something i saw on the way home from school and so i had you know notebooks with lines and stuff but nothing ever really fully coalesced nothing ever really got finished i i was i made up the joke that i was great coming out the gate but not a lot of stamina i wasn't able to get to the finish line and so a lot of my my writing just kind of fell by the wayside and so there are pieces here and pieces there and I've got half written novels and half written stories all over the place that uh, it never quite got finished until until I was older. What, what happened? Older. What happened with that? Um, well, part of me developed this feeling of I'm not good enough. Why would anybody want to read what I'm reading? Um, I felt lazy. I felt like I was always procrastinating. I mean, school assignments wouldn't get turned in until the last minute, if at all. And my writing was like that. And I just really beat myself up regularly for not being able to fully realize the dreams I had of being a writer. And it was it was really difficult for a very long time. Wow. But so what changed? Because I know you're writing now. So something had to have happened to switch something. Well, something did happen. It's I was noticing that there are just a lot of things that weren't working in my life. And 
I started doing some reading and I was like, well, that sounds like me. And oh, you know, you kind of do that whole, I'm going to, um, I'm going to diagnose myself via the internet. And <laughs> it's not necessarily the wisest course, but things kept popping up that just made sense. And I began to wonder if I had something like ADHD. And so I went to my doctor and she ran some tests and come to find out I do. Um, I found out when I was like 49 that I have ADHD. And in that moment, things just kind of fell into place and started to make sense. Wow. How, how, how does it just fall into place? Like, is it just getting a diagnosis or something that helps? For me, it was because it was the diagnosis was a you're not wrong. You're not a flake. You're not lazy. You're not inadequate or unable. You are not unintelligent, uh, uninspired. You're not boring. <laughs> and having that, having the diagnosis really made me feel like it was, it was almost like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. It's like this, this weight I'd have of low self-esteem, low self-worth, even though I masked really well for a very long time. And if you'd ask my friends, most of them would say that doesn't sound like me because I was very good at pretending. Um, but I feel now like I can totally be myself and I am that person. I am that joyful person. Now. I am that person who's really positive and tries to reframe everything in a way that moves something forward or does something beneficial. And I, I, I still, you know, I still mess up words. I still have to go over all of my writing over and over again to make sure there's not a, I have a tendency to, my brain works faster than my hand or my hand works faster than my brain. And I'll go back at a sentence and go, why are those words all out of order? Um, and then I'm like, oh, that's why, because the brain was moving this way and the hand was moving this way. But you're f not only just finishing your own works now, you're actually writing for other places as well as a ghostwriter, like for different companies, especially like travel magazine or travel company or something now? Yeah, I, I write, um, and I, I have written in the past, um, blog posts for um, like travel agencies and real estate companies and financial companies. And those were easy to do. Um, for some reason, I was able to make that happen because they weren't my words. They were somebody else's words. I was writing for someone else. It wasn't me. My name wasn't on it. Um, so I think there was a little bit of a disconnect in that. Um, I still love to do it, and I'm more than you know. I'm more than happy to do it. And I feel like I'm better at it now. Now that I've you know figured out how to work my life a little better with my diagnosis. Um, but I've also done things like uh, friends that have books that are coming out and they've said, can you review this? Can you can you proofread this? Um, because I also uh, a while back, I taught college English, so I have a little bit of experience with that. So I would you know proofread things for people. Um, but I was never getting my own stuff done. Mm partly because I didn't feel like I deserved it or was worth it or any of those self-limiting beliefs that one might have. And um, now I just don't have those beliefs anymore. 
no, it sounds like magic. I mean, it sounds like it one does. day you had limited beliefs about your self-worth and, and now all of a sudden you do. And now I'm guessing it's not magic uh, that you possibly maybe have some support and some tools Then I would love to have you share with us. You are correct. Uh, well, I would love to say it was magic and, you know, it just descended from the clouds and there were, you know, trumpets or something, but uh, no, there was a lot of a lot of therapy. <laughs> so a lot of therapy, a lot of talk therapy, a lot of sitting and examining and being very introspective and having someone call me out on things, which was useful for me as a tool. Um, I'm a voracious reader, so I started reading a lot of things about my own condition. I started watching videos of younger people who have my condition um, or my diagnosis. I don't even know what to really call it. I just call it spicy brain. So um, those helped. I was also um, given a prescription. So I do take a very low dose of Adderall. Um, my doctor and I, we discussed it and I was very hesitant to start taking it. And she was actually really pleased that I was hesitant. She wanted to make sure I wasn't trying to be a drug, drug seeking or anything like that. So she put me on the lowest dose they make, and it has been useful in that it helps me to focus when I need to focus. But it's not so much, I know that I could be like more productive, so to speak, if I were on a higher dose, but I don't want to take a higher dose. I would rather learn tools and ways to be productive on my own. And I've found things like, I have a special planner that I use that tells me all the tasks I need to do for the day. And I spend, you know, a, a half an hour every morning going over what my plan for the day is. And at the end of the night, I review my day and um, I'm getting better at being in the habit of journaling and writing down my reflections on the day. And even if it's just a couple of sentences, just a to kind of jog me because maybe if I have to go back and look, there's a couple of sentences there that will jog my memory as to what what happened that day or how I felt that day. And it's a way to track my mood and a way to track my my productivity and a way to track my health. Wow, wow. Now we hear the word neurodivergent being thrown around a lot nowadays. And my guess is that it's always been there. There's always been um, many, many, many people who fall under the category of neurodivergent, even though the word itself sounds like it's away from mainstream, yet so many, so many people are probably going through some form of neurodivergency. Have you heard about like what the statistics are on that or anything? I don't know what the statistics are, but I, and I don't know if it's just the circle that I'm in, uh, the circle of friends that I have or the the environments I move in, but a lot of my friends are neurodivergent in some way, shape, or form. Um, and some of it is situational. Like I have friends who have depression and or anxiety, but it's a, you know it's not chronic, it's not clinical, it's situational. So are they neurodivergent temporarily? It, I, I'm not sure. And I'm I'm gonna say that most. Uh, I'm going to guess, it's just going to be a, a guess, that there are a lot more people out there who are not 
standard brain. <laughs> and <laughs> it's the only thing I could think of, standard brain. Uh, standard brain and spicy brain. Um, I think that there are a lot of us who are out there that are um, in some way um, not your typical brained person. I think that most of us who are creatives or artists in some way probably have something that's a little different than, than say, someone who isn't a creative person. Um, not to say that every creative person is neurodivergent, because I'm not a clinician, so I can't even begin to answer that question. Um, but I do, I do think it's greater, it's a greater percentage than what we might be seeing. I think that there are a lot of people, especially young people that are masking, um, and just putting up a front and living their day just to get, you know, just to get through life. And that's, that's kind of sad because I think we should all be able to be our full and authentic selves. There's a lot of fear about that. We are so afraid that if we show up and we are our authentic self, that we're going to get rejected. We might even feel like a fraud, even if we're being our authentic self. So much comparison, not enough self-compassion. How, how do we face fear on a regular basis? You got to learn to love yourself. You got to face fear with love. It's one of my favorite new things to say. It's learning, learning to love yourself, learning to love yourself, not when you're not when you're great, not when everything's going well, but to learn to love yourself when things are really bad, when things are really down, when you're at a point where you're not sure if life is worth living. And you need to have that compassion for yourself and you need to have that love for yourself that will make you stay and allow you at least a, a glimmer of hope that tomorrow might be different, might be better, and that you can work towards trying to make it that way. Beautiful. You gotta love yourself first. Oh, I have an, a very important question for you. In fact, actually, I'm going to open up the space for you to ask a very big question. Just imagine that the universe is listening right now, which it always is, and might even grant you a wish. So if you could ask for one thing right now and just trust that it's going to happen, what would you ask for? I would ask for a book agent to be willing to read my book manuscript once it's finished. Ooh, does that manuscript have a name? Um, Jane the Private Dick. Jane the Private Dick. <laughs> it's, uh, it's urban fantasy. I love it. Is that like a mystery? Um, kind of, yeah. It's mythical creatures. It's set in, uh, it's set in LA. It's, um, and Jane is uh, an interesting individual who finds out that she has a little more power than she thought she ever did and can see these creatures when other people can't. And, and then she has to find out whether or not she wants to fight for them or against them. 
if uh, if we are so interested, the people listening right now, interested in reading this book once it comes out, because that agent finds you and helps you out there, um, how can we follow you? On my Instagram right now, it's Varner Photos. My Twitter is also Varner Photos. And my email is varnerphotography at gmail.com. That's awesome. Well, um, do you have anything else you want to share with our audience before we say goodbye? If you're ever doubting yourself, just take a minute, stop, be gentle, speak kindly to yourself and allow yourself to, to really feel what you're feeling and give yourself a hug, whether it's actually physically, because sometimes we just, we need to be physically touched. And if there's no one else, sometimes we just have to hug ourselves or mentally giving yourself a mental hug. Just be kind to yourself. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you, Heather.